The Xbox Drive is powered by the You, Me, and Capri Patreon. We want to say thank you to some people, starting with our Diamond Executive Producers, Slimer Snarf, Lee Navarro, and Jonathan Brown. Also to our Platinum Producer, Robbie Bobby Miller. And then to our Gold Level Patrons, like James Johnson, Jean Kay, Ashley Nicholson, Aaron Gropper, Trucker Sloth, Argo, Ryan Turford, Egg Shen, and Sony for Life. Hey everyone, it's me, Sean Capri. I'm in my car and you're listening to the most horsepowerful podcast on the internet. It's the Xbox Drive. I'm on a Skype call with my friend Ryan Turford, the man on the moose and on our journey today. It's Canada Day, so we're all in our birthday suits to celebrate Canada's birthday. And Fallout 76 is coming to Game Pass because I told you so. So jump on into the Xbox Drop. Greater than X. Hello, Sean Capri. Ryan Turford, I just got a message from my wife, and I'm not sure... Oh, uh, she was just messaging me to tell me that uh, we need to be better about washing the kids' hands and our hands uh, when we come back from an outing, when we're, when we're out ootin' a boot, as you do in Canada, and uh, I couldn't agree more with her. She's right. I totally forgot to... Uh, to be a little bit, you know, cleaner. We're just out and about touching things. But how are you, man? That has absolutely nothing with what we're going to talk about today. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Of course, it's a, a beautiful Canada Day here in uh, in Toronto. Of course, uh, everyone who's listening, this is the day after Canada Day. But right. today's the most Canadian day of the year, Sean. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. Beavers are Canada dancing. Day, Beavers are doing like a river dance kind of thing. The mooses or the meese, I believe, is actually the plural of moose. Uh, they're out marching today, man. They're it's uh, they're they're celebrating the moose freedom, I think. Is I mean, they got to celebrate along with us. I, I think so, anyways. <laughs> I mean, I'm anticipating later tonight there will be fireworks, even though people here are not technically supposed to be going outside. And mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be great. People it'll think be, we're joking, but we have beavers on our like money. Like we have like beaver and meese. <laughs> I didn't mean to say it as a joke that time. Uh, moose or what's on their quarter? Is it a moose or is it a like an elk? It is. It is. It is a moose. Yeah, I would. I would I qualify that. it as a moose. Yeah. Yeah. If only I had like some money down here to like. Rifle through. What is this? I mean, that's assuming you have physical money on you. I do. Oh, this is a special one. This has like a, I don't know, like a, uh, like a, like a eagle. It's like a collectible thing from like a 2011. What the heck is that? It's like a Native American kind of thing. Anyway, I mean, it's not as cool as the toonie, which has a polar bear on it. For those American listeners, a toonie is a two dollar (laughs) coin. It does have a polar bear, and our dime has a has a sailboat. Have you ever really looked at our money? It's kind of ridiculous. It's It's kind of weird. It is crazy. So is this show, man. We recorded in a car. We talk about Xbox. And Ryan, I'm having dreams about waking up to some sort of like crazy announcement. So much so that I had a dream where I woke up and Xbox is like, today's the day we're going to, because we don't know when the July event is going to be. So I woke up thinking, uh, in the dream, of course, uh, okay, I've got to set up my stuff. I've got to set up like a stream and get this thing going. And nothing worked. Lights didn't work. Internet didn't work. Nothing worked. And then I just, I just missed it. And that's. That's where I'm at in terms of anxiety in life, man. <laughs> I'm worried about missing the Xbox reveal because they're going to surprise us all, uh, except that probably it's going to be the week of July 30th or 20th, I think. I was going to say, like, we uh, got some news today that pretty much is going to point to that. And we'll talk to that about that news in a little bit. I'm fairly certain that that's the week it's going to be. But before we get into all that, Sean, let's clean the garage a little bit. I just yes. wanted to give a quick plug. Uh, I'm going to be on the State of the Xbox Empire podcast this week with our friends over at PSVG. Um, the the episode should be out around the same time 
as this episode. Mm-hmm. So go check that out on all the, the podcast feeds. Of course, we love those guys over there. So yeah, man. Uh, make sure to check out all of their stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's my first time on the show and it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, you know, Sean's been on a few times. So uh, yeah, definitely check that out this week. If you want to hear more of my old man ramblings about uh, Xbox. Uh, but Sean, Ryan. let's grab our A-tracks and pop them in. It's time for the playlist. Real quick, did you play much on Xbox this week? Uh, I didn't play anything on Xbox this week, man. Can I tell you, though, I played, I'm played. i playing Xenoblade on Switch, <laughs> and I'm kind of liking it. I feel like I'm finally in a groove for a, like a long-term game, and I just kind of like listen to podcasts, and I play it. And I was going to play The Messenger. I was going to play Minecraft Dungeons DLC, and I just didn't quite click on over. So here's the thing, man. I just don't really want to, like just play games just for the sake of podcasting you know what i mean like i think we, there is a certain mm-hmm. pressure to do that but this week i resisted i'm just playing a little bit of weird super weird japanese <laughs> rpg on my <laughs> nintendo switch man but i'm jealous because i think you played a game that uh off air we've settled it i think that i actually do have this game <laughs> but i didn't think that i did i tried to play it but i couldn't and went back to xenoblade so what are you playing my friend well, so I played a few games this week. Number one, I played Jurassic Park on the Sega CD for the first time. Shut Sean. up! Did you? But, but <laughs> I did, I did. But oh, uh, wow. there was a reason for it. But yeah, the, I won't talk about that. The other games I, I played this week. Uh, number one, I replayed The Messenger, which came to Game Pass this week. Uh, for those that have never played The Messenger before, it's a two D. Ninja Gaiden style like action platformer where you play as a ninja who's basically trying to deliver this scroll to uh, the tallest peak on the island. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's uh, some time traveling where basically it's like an eight bit style game, sort of like shovel Knight in a lot of ways. It kind of has that look and feel to it. Uh, but then it can switch uh, between that and a 16 bit, like almost like Sega Genesis super Nintendo hybrid. Look. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you kind of go back and forth between the two. In fact, the way the team designed the game is they layered the eight bit levels and the 16 bit levels on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And they're both running at the same time. And as, as you hit uh, certain points in the game, you'll switch between the two of them to basically solve puzzles or do specific platforming. So all that is super cool. It's it's honestly one of my favorite uh, 2D action platformers of the generation. Probably one of my favorite games, actually, of the generation in general, if I really think about it. And I had a thought this weekend when I was playing it, because I ha- I've replayed The Messenger a bunch of times on other platforms, but this is my first time running through it on Xbox. The thought occurred to me, though, is The Messenger one of the best games to come to Xbox One this year. Ooh. And my friends, I have to tell you, yes, it's probably one of the best games to come to Xbox One this year. Yes, it's been out since 2018 on other platforms, but for those who have never played it before or only playing on Xbox, you got to check out The Messenger. It is an incredible game, especially if you like 2D action platformers like I do, or Metroidvanias because uh, it, it evolves to become a Metroidvania. So if you like Metroidvanias, you'll really dig the messenger. So definitely make sure to check it out. It's on Game Pass, and it's totally awesome. Also, it, it has a DLC, which is totally free. You just have to grab it from the store. Basically, there's an in-game uh, like story that takes place after the uh, campaign finishes. Really? Uh, but it, yeah, it's like it takes place on this like uh, tropical island, and it basically has like this beach theme. So uh, you just have to claim it from the store, but yeah. it is free for everyone to download because it was free on the other platforms as well. Um, but it's another little bit of content once you finish the game. Hmm. Uh, so make sure to pick that up as well if you are going to pick up the messenger. But Sean, the other thing I checked out. This Hi week, there. Can I please get a medium coffee with two Splenda? Sorry, Ryan. Do you want anything? Uh, no, I'm good. No, you're okay. Yeah, that's everything. And I've got a coffee card for that, please. 
Ryan, it's such a good deal. You buy seven coffees, you get one for free. Is no that amazing? Way. That's like the Subway sandwich cards where it really you buy is. I don't know nine, I nine Subway uh, sandwiches and you'd get the 10th one for free. I can't believe how many of these I actually have. I've had to like take them out of my wallet because I was getting the George Costanza wallet collecting these things. They're just in the car because now we share a car, of course. We're in the truck, actually. I shouldn't even say I'm in a car. I'm in a truck. Um, Ryan Turford, The Messenger sounds incredible. And I'm very jealous that you got to play it. And it was on Game Pass for PC a little while ago. And I was almost going to ask you, but you jumped right into it, if it was like a spoiler or like a feature of the game that it jumps back and forth between like 8 and 16-bit. Because it's kind of like if you forget about it, it's kind of like, oh my god, this is amazing when it finally happens. Well, it definitely is not at the beginning of the game, that's for sure. Right. But uh, it's one of those things where I'm open to talking about that because it's literally in the description of the game and all the trailers fair enough so fair it's, enough. it's been uh, like a focal point of the marketing ever since it launched but yeah you're right it doesn't happen at the beginning of the game it is very it basically changes style game styles around the halfway point mm-hmm. so just to throw that yeah it's very cool thank you cool. you too so other thing that i was going to segue to minecraft dungeons got its first dlc pack this week we knew that it was coming as part of the hero pass which is like the the season pass for Minecraft Dungeons, and it's called Jungle Awakens. It's basically three new story missions in Minecraft Dungeons. There's also a bunch of new enemies and new weapons and armor types, um, new power-ups and other cool stuff to find. And uh, Sean, the DLC itself, it was okay. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't amazing. No, so I, I thought about it while I was playing. I was like, I'm, I'm having fun with this, but I couldn't put my finger on why I wasn't until I, until I finished it. And the reason was... One of the things I really liked about Minecraft Dungeon is that each level that you played in Minecraft Dungeons felt really unique from each other. Right. Where you, even though you had some bleed over with some of the enemies, for the most part, each state had had unique enemies from it, from itself, but also unique locations. Whereas in this one, in the DLC, all three levels take place in the jungle, but you're fighting the same enemies in all three mm. levels, essentially. There's a boss at the end of it, and there are some harder enemy types and some new enemy types to... Uh, this uh, DLC pack exclusively. But at the same time, when you run through all three levels, and it takes about three hours if you're playing by yourself to, to run through all three, you're kind of, you kind of, I found a, I got a little bit of fatigue with the jungle setting yeah. by the time I was done with it. Just because, again, you're just killing the same enemies over and over again. If you're playing, and if you play through it all right away, you're not getting that variety that I found was so refreshing about the campaign itself, right. the main campaign. Mm-hmm. So that was that was kind of my one complaint. But everything else is cool. Like there's a new weapon which is a, a whip that you can use. It's very Castlevania style. Nice. It makes a whip noise whenever you whip it, and it's very <laughs> cool. Uh, it's a it's a fast attacking weapon, which of course you know I love from from Minecraft Dungeons. But it, it's got get, you get a little bit more range than the daggers, but you're a little bit slower than the daggers. But it's pretty comparable to that weapon if you have played Minecraft Dungeons before. You probably know what I'm talking mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some of the new enemy types are pretty cool. Like, all the enemies that were already existing got, like, this jungle, like, jungle makeover. For example, the skeletons have, like, moss growing on them. Uh, or some of the, the the creepers have, like, they, they almost look like they're, like, overgrown, like, shaggy uh, bushes that run it. after you and I explode. Uh, there's also some, some of the new enemies are cool. There's, like, this, like, gorilla, like, grass monster that that you'll fight um there's also some new uh enemies that that summon plants 
that will basically will summon either a flower that shoots at you or, or it'll summon vines to kind of trap you in an area. Yeah. So I think all the new enemy designs are pretty cool. It's just you didn't get enough variety in there. And I think that's just probably its downside. But at the same time, if you mix and match those levels with the main campaign levels, like if you're playing with friends or something, I think you're going to have a much better time. Playing that's that's the, what I was going to ask. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, it, like as as a single thing and like because you played everything else, you're not going to go back to the other other levels. So you're just kind of like all in on this but if it's just sort of like added in um then yeah i think that's that's pretty sweet but you know because i saw uh, an article that was talking about how like this really speaks to the potential of how like the longevity of of minecraft dungeons i don't know if you got a sense of that with this or if it's too early to say like is this something that we should be expecting people to be talking about for a long time based on the early sense of dlc that we got yes and no i mean i don't think it's substantial enough to add that by itself, but when you take into account what they added with the free update, which is also live for anyone who owns Minecraft Dungeons in general, they actually added five new dungeons to the original levels oh. as well. So they're actually unlockable by finding secret areas in the original levels, and they can be played on their own. Similarly to, um, I, can't, I can't remember the name of the level, but it's one of the early levels where you'll find like a dungeon in there that unlocks a secret level. Okay. Um, they do that for they did that for a lot of the other existing levels, like Desert Temple, for example. I know got its own uh, additional dungeon. Um, the the second last level I know got its own as well. So yeah, like pretty much all the levels except for the final level now has like. A second, le- a secondary level that you unlock by finding a secret area in that level. Mm, so very cool. they added a lot of content outside of that that I just haven't gotten to yet, which is why I'm kind of blanking on all the names and, or don't have specifics on it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, a lot was added with the free update, and I think that more than anything speaks to the longevity of this game because nice. I think they're de- I think they're definitely committed to adding more content to the game, and it might not all be in DLC form. I think a lot of it is just going to come from free updates. Yeah. To the game. Um, or they might do a Hero Pass 2 down the road, for example. Um, but yeah, I thought that that was pretty cool to add. And I, I can't wait to actually try the rest of that content. Other thing I was kind of bummed about, too, they didn't add any new achievements. I, I wish mm. they would have added some DLC achievements for finishing those. Yeah. But obviously, that's just a nitpick. It's not a deal breaker or anything like that. But uh, definitely, if you have the Hero Pack, definitely check out the DLC. It's really cool. Um, I, it'll be interesting to see with the second DLC pack whether or not we can recommend the full season pass to people. Yeah. Um, but judging by this, I think there will be about six levels in total once it's all said and done. And I think those six levels will probably be worth the, the 12 bucks that the hero passes. Yeah. So I do think it'll probably be worth it in the end, but obviously we'll reserve judgment till the other pack comes out, which we'll talk about right now because I'm going to slam the bricks on this conversation. Oh, Sean. Okay. It's time for some breaking news. And the first one relates to that. So the second DLC pack for Minecraft dungeons Creeping Winter was announced alongside um, this announcement. Basically, they didn't put out a formal blog post about it, but if you go to the DLC island, which they added in this patch, um, the second island is there for the second DLC pack. That basically has a little advertisement when you click on it that talks about the second DLC pack. So it's going to add three more additional levels, as well as new uh, weapons, mods, and foes, and you're going to fight in some kind of snowy environment. So... It just says coming soon. We don't have a release date for it just yet or anything like that. I imagine they'll put up another blog post pretty much the week before it comes out saying, hey, by the way, this is coming out. But mm-hmm. next up, Microsoft have announced the Summer Game Fest demo event, yes. which is coming to the Xbox One dashboard. They claim in the blog post it's going to be added to the dashboard itself in an update 
around that time. Um, it'll basically be live from July 21st to July 27th. There's going to be over 60 demos added to the dashboard for one week. Essentially, basically, once the one week is over, um, all the demos are going to be removed. They did say that some of the more po polished demos are just going to be republished to the store in the, on the demos page yeah. um, once the event's over. So then you can go back to them. But for the most part, these are going to be like E3 showroom demos. So they're not going to be representative of the final product. Some of these are, are apparently going to be like pre-alpha demos. Yeah. So essentially the type of demos that you would have experienced last year when you went to E3, Sean, and played them on the, the stage. Those are the type of demos we're going to be expecting here, which I kind of called this three months ago when mm -hmm. E3 got canceled. I floated the idea and I tweeted this out. I was like, you know what would be really awesome is that since E3 is canceled, I would love to see them release like all the demos they would have had on the stage, like the stage demos mm -hmm. on, on Xbox Live and just let people play them. Turns out, turns out that was an amazing enough idea that they decide to implement They listen here. to you. Yeah. So, Sean, we actually got uh, six of the demos confirmed. So we already know what some of these games are going to be. They include Chris Tales, Destroy All Humans, which is actually out the same week. I think this is going to be like one of the demos that's like the most polished. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it, because it's coming out the same week. Uh, Haven, uh, Hellpoint, Skatebird, which I know you're oh, hyped for. Oh, I'm hyped for that one. Yes. Uh, the Veil, Shadow of the Crown, uh, Raj, the Ancient Epic, and Welcome to Elk. So those are the the demos that are confirmed. Uh, and there's little descriptions on uh, the link I put in the show notes if you want to go read more about each one of these games. Uh, but yeah, so it I think this is a super cool idea, Sean. What do you think about this? I've always wanted this. This is the thing that, like, w let's bring people... We don't necessarily have to bring people into L.A., you know, into E3, uh, but bring them in. Bring, like... I, the thing is that I think the reason they haven't done something like this is because at, when you're at E3, you get like a specified amount of time to play with those things. Like it, with a demo, people have like basically the whole week to play and and potentially break some of these games. So I'm excited about the the, the kind of propagation of that, which is awesome. But Ryan, what I'm really excited about by this is the fact that we're about to close down really the Xbox One generation. We're about to go to Series X right away here, and they've got 60 games for us to try. What are the chances like that we start to see some of these games that are, like really the, this speaks to the cross-generational kind of impact of, of what Xbox is doing. Surely some of these games aren't going to actually launch until after the Series X happens later on in this year. So this could be, I don't know if they'll sell it necessarily this way, but this could be our first chance to play games that we'll also be playing on Series X. Is that... Is that even a thing that people would care about, do you think? Is that even a, a, a truthful statement, or is it more confusing than anything? So the only thing, the only wrench I'll throw into that statement is that if we're playing these builds on Xbox One, I imagine they'll, they will all be cross-gen games. Sure, yeah, so but they I, won't I don't launch. Imagine... What I'm saying is that they won't launch until after Series X happens. So you've got like this forward-backwards compatibility thing. So you've got kind of like if we got a, a, a demo of like Halo Infinite. Right, like that's yeah, for exactly. all intents and purposes, everybody's thinking of that as a Series X game, but you're you'd be playing it on a on an Xbox One, so you get like really really early access to games that we're actually gonna be playing on next gen like hardware, but we're playing it on current gen hardware. I don't know, man. Like mm -hmm. that's kind of it's kind of exciting because it's just it's breaking down barriers where in on other systems like 
that's just not even a possibility. If you're if you're drawing the line in the sand that generations are generations, you're not going to be able to like you're definitely not trying to demo that early for a game that's coming out on PlayStation Five. You know what I mean? So that's kind of that's kind of awesome. It's a good chance to get people to try games for the first time and do it on an Xbox. Hopefully, even add it to a wish list for God's sake. They can add that feature in there somewhere and uh, get people hyped on a game on Xbox, and then they can play it on their Series X whenever they decide to upgrade that one later on this year. Also. I'm and we we kind of hinted at this earlier. I'm pretty sure this kind of signifies that the Xbox first party showcase will be this week. I mean, not this week, this week, but the the week that this happens. Oh, either I see what on you're the Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, because it the event starts on the Tuesday. Sure. The 21st is a Tuesday, so I imagine the first party showcase will either be the Monday or Tuesday, and I suspect that at least some of those games that are shown will have demos at this event that you can play. Like, Sean, oh, imagine if there's one. a Halo mm-hmm. Infinite demo. Well, that's like, what I'm that saying. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, you've named some, like, some indie stuff, and that's cool, but, like, 60, like, the chances are you're, we're going to get, like, who knows? I mean, Battletoads maybe could like, happen there What if there's well? a Hellblade 2 demo? There could or, be, like, big games. Um, mm-hmm. Or, I mean, what if, what if Cyberpunk had a demo? Like how that awesome would, would that be? That would be crazy. Yeah, I mean, now we're kind of. I don't know. Like, it's like my 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 goal of having it launch day and date into Game Pass isn't too crazy, but having it as a demo here, that's that's insane. But that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like the games are going to be playable on both systems, and it's like people have mostly been kind of like down on that until maybe something like this gives us access and puts it in our hands of like, why is that a benefit to people? And I want. I I think that's a perfect way to demonstrate uh, what that's all about. And it's just another kind of like interesting way for them to maybe make a bit a bit of a pivot as uh, we're trying to deal with this whole COVID situation. No E3, uh, maybe make the Jeff Keighley Summer Game Fest thing a thing. So a lot of checkboxes for me, man. I'm excited to hear this. And it was like, I saw it because you tweeted it <laughs> just before we sat down to record. So I'm excited. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing that I'm going to, the last time we leave it on is that I I also love what this is going to do for indie developers as well, because uh, like a game like Hyperdot, for example, you discovered that by playing it on the E3 stage mm-hmm. when you were there at the show. Otherwise, a lot of people, including yourself, might have overlooked that game. And I think a lot of people are going to get a chance to try out games like that, that maybe might have been lost in the shuffle. But we'll try them out because there there will be a demo here on the store mm-hmm. for them to try for free during this week. So I'm really interested to see how many more games get just get free exposure out of this. Yeah. Um, and what kind of uh, indie games and smaller games that I might not have ever heard of that I discover because of this. Because, again, my plan is I'm going to try that week to seriously play all the demos on the store. You're insane. Which is, 60 is a lot of demos. Yeah. But it's a lot I of think downloads. I can do it. Well, and, and Xbox has really led the way in consoles in terms of, like, um, early access and uh, game preview, right? Where that was mainly, like, a PC kind of thing. Like, that was Steam kind of stuff where um, games on console, the, the the goal was really to have them as polished as, as possible so people would play a finished game. But people on PC have been playing very early builds. Uh, like, how many years were people playing um, Black Mesa, the Half-Life recreation? It was, like, actually didn't release until, like, just this year. Been playing... Uh, a pre or a beta build of that essentially for like 10 years or something. So this is kind of like going in that direction as well of, of getting the Xbox audience a little bit more comfortable with like, this game's not ready, so don't crucify it. And that's kind of, that is what happens on PC. That These games, people have a full understanding that it's an early build and it's there just to, just to check it out, see what it's about. And um, I'm kind of hoping that that is what spills over into the console land as well. Nice, nice. All right, next up, we got our first batch of Game Pass games coming to Xbox Game Pass this month, including 
Soul Calibur 6, which is out today, uh, Out of the Park Baseball 21, which is also out today, uh, and then on July 9th, we're getting CrossCode and Fallout 76. Sean was right. Hashtag Sean was right mm-hmm. about that one. Um, also, don't sleep on Soul Calibur 6. That was one of my favorite games in 2018. I love Soul Calibur 6. It's a really amazing fighting game. Um, and don't make sure to check that out. Also, I'm hearing really good things about CrossCode. I think it's already out on PC. Um, what is it's that? Finally I coming to consoles. It's a like retro style RPG. Like It's kind of like a, a JRPG. Um, but I don't really know too much about it myself. It's just one of those things where it kind of popped on my radar last week because they finally announced the the console release date last week. Um, so it's going to launch day and date into Game Pass. Okay. So I'll, I'll be talking about it more probably uh, when it comes out next week. But I'm excited to play it, though, because I was already go- planning on picking it up anyways. Mm-hmm. But now that it's on Game Pass, I don't have to worry about it because it'll be there. And maybe, maybe since Fallout 76 is coming to Game Pass, John, I will try Fallout 76 again. I might be in the same boat as you, but not uh, cross-play, I don't believe. Did Fallout 76 ever do cross-play? I'm actually not uh, sure. I don't know. I don't think that I, it did. might have. And, and was, it, um, was it PC only, or was it on both Game Pass? Game Pass for PC it, and Game Pass for Xbox? It's both. Okay, perfect. The only one of these that is only on PC is Out of the Park Baseball 21. Good God, that I didn't even know that was a thing. Is that brand new? That's a, apparently a baseball simulation game. Oh, it's almost like just football what I manager. need. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting for that yeah. one. Yep. However, we also got the more additions to the growing list of games leaving Game Pass. Oh, no. So leaving Game Pass on July 15th. This is a pretty good batch of games that are leaving as well, including Blazing Chrome, oh. Dead Rising 4, Metal Gear Solid 5, Ooh. Time Spinner, Yuvan uh, Wild. Sure. You and a vowed. Nah, guess. It. That's what it's called. And last but not least, Undertale is leaving a PC. Oh. So many good games. Blazing Chrome, uh, Metal Gear Solid 5, and Undertale are must-play games. Especially if you like games like Contra, you should definitely check out Blazing Chrome. But then Metal Gear Solid 5 is an amazing title. And then Undertale, I mean, it's a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, if you haven't really checked is. it out by now, you got to check it out. It's okay. We're getting uh, Fallout 76, Ryan. That's fine. We're trading Metal Gear Solid 5 for Fallout 76. Good God. I would actually say that CrossCode is probably a more apt comparison with Undertale. Sure. I guess that they're, they're oh, okay. like, they're both RPGs, I guess. So it kind of counts. Sure. But uh, yeah, it's kind of sad that some of these games are leaving. But let some of our friends into the car with us, Sean. It's time for the carpool. And shout out to everyone who wrote in questions this week. We got a lot of really awesome questions. And we're to start with Plastic Hearts Podcast at Plastic Heart Pod. Love it. They ask, what studio or game coming from Microsoft First Party has the best chance of matching the quality we've seen from God of War 2018 or The Last of Us 2? I'm very excited about the potential of Microsoft First Party and really want to see them have more titles in that same Game of the Year conversation. The thing is, Plastic Hearts Podcast, I think it's going to take a little while for us to see those types of games show up. Traditionally, launch title games in particular haven't always been that caliber of games. Um, in fact, we to- we mostly see that in later generation titles like The Last of Us 2 or God of War. Like Those were kind of the swan songs of the PlayStation 4 when developers really had a handle on the hardware. And there are also situational to- things too. For example, God of War was just a-, a title that no one really saw coming because it was from a franchise that I personally, as as someone who liked the old God of War games, could have never expected they would have pulled off. Yeah. Or it was a really like top-tier story-based game because the other God of War games were not like that at all. So, And likewise, The Last of Us was just a new IP from a developer that is, has been cranking out masterpiece after masterpiece for the longest time. Um, and I think that 
evolution just didn't happen overnight. I think it took some time for that to happen. So, <laughs> so you're saying there's as no far hope, as, Ryan? No, no. I think there is hope. I think it's just going to take some time. I don't know if the launch crop of games we're going to see are going to be those games, but I think the three that stand out to me as having the best chance of fulfilling that are number one, the game from um, the uh, uh, like the, uh, the Perfect Dark reboot that we might be hearing about soon. Um, I think that has the potential of doing that, be- even though, again, the other two Perfect Dark games, you might not have expected that, but I think it could be a God of War case where I think that franchise has enough potential to, to do that. But also the games uh, that are coming from In Exile or um, uh, Obsidian, I think those new games from those two developers with the, under the Microsoft banner can be those top-level AAA exclusives that Microsoft certainly needs to complete with PlayStation, which I, I think those are still a little while away. They're still probably a year or two down the road, but I do think that those are the type of games that can fill that void. But what do you think about this, Sean? Yeah, man. I mean, you kind of hit <laughs> you kind of hit the nail on the head with all of that. Uh, I think I think Halo has the potential in terms of like you're right that normally things like that don't really happen at the beginning of the gen. But one of the things that kind of jumps out at me about the current gen is that it is the tale of the reimagined franchise with the ones that you mentioned, but also like Doom definitely comes to mind. Made a big splash, big return. Wolfenstein as well. A bunch of those ones from from ID. Um, and so the the, the bar is very high. If you're going to go back to some old franchises and bring them back, the bar has never been higher than, than it is now. So I, I hear rumblings that, that the initiative is going to be showing off what it's going to, what it's going to show off. And then um, to the point of like this sort of being like next gen, but like not really. And like generations are being blurred and stuff. Like I think that that bodes well for a studio like three, four, three, who's been working on halo for what, five years now. Has it been five years since, since halo five? Like yep. there's I 2015. Mean, we keep we're probably not doing the game any favors here because we we hype it up every single week here. But the 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 responsibility and like everything on that studio is so high, and they've just got it. They've just got to hit it out of the park on that one. So it it's possible it could really surprise people. But yeah, man, I think you're I think you're bang on. There's a there's quite a few studios that they've picked up over the years that. Maybe not. Maybe nin- did you say Ninja Theory? Like Hellblade, like really could. I didn't throw that in there, but that that's another one too. Where I think Ninja Theory, either Hellblade Two or their next project, could absolutely be that game. Like I think that with Microsoft's funding, I really think that that Ninja Theory could become the next Naughty Dog or Sucker Punch or Insomnia. Yeah, I really, I believe believe that. My thing is that like, I, and I don't know how else to articulate it though. Is like like Nintendo doesn't doesn't compete with Sony on this level, right? Like they have a totally other way of selling 20 million copies of their games, right? And Sony has found their lane that of like The Last of Us Part 2 is surely going to sell 15 or 20 million copies. I have no doubt about that. And like Xbox doesn't even really count like number of copies sold. So they, I feel like they they probably do need maybe a like franchise or two that kind of matches what God of War potentially is doing, but I would much rather see them find a different lane because at any moment, this like third person over the shoulder, like dark and grungy kind of experience, like people could turn their back on that. And I just kind of hope that they don't just do the Sony thing just to do the Sony thing. And they find another way to have people engaged and play games on Xbox. that isn't the like the same old, same old. Like when I used to watch E3 and I know that we run an Xbox podcast here and the trophy room's going to yell at me or whatever. But like I actually got. I actually laughed. It wasn't even like I got angry or bored or anything. I actually laughed at like they started looking exactly the same, like days gone. It's all over the shoulder, third person, like action sort of maybe RPG elements, high, like strong narrative. It's a formula. 
And it's just kind of like when you see it, especially like presented at a thing like E3 over and over and over again, you're like, holy cow, it looks everything looks the same. So I'm looking for variety, which is why I like Xbox, is why I like Game Pass. So I just kind of hope that they they don't overcorrect. You know what I mean? Like I just hope that mm-hmm. they that they don't do, go too far in that direction. Or as long as they just have a variety of different types of games, I think that matters probably more than having really top tier level games that all look the same because that yeah. can be tiresome. Yeah, we'll see. Because likewise, if they example. did all first person shooters, that's also a problem too. Because that was Xbox's problem for the longest time, right? With stuff like Halo and Gears, all all kind of feeling the same. Well, and even people you know? look at Ubisoft in that kind of way as well. I don't think that they're really like they're There's not turning their nose up at Ubisoft yet, but they're kind of like mm, they're kind of like they're getting there. Yeah, kind of like like the, the Far Cry kind of formula, just go raid a base and and that's kind of do that over and over again, which I love. By the way, I'm not complaining. Um, but yeah, I just kind of worry about that a little bit. But great question, man. Yeah. Next up, Seamus Bukasik at Famous Seamus, <sighs> speaking of launch games, asks, what number of launch games do you want to see on Series X? Honestly, Seamus, I would imagine there will probably be, from Microsoft first party, I'm guessing there's probably going to be three or four launch games at the most. Like launch I windows mean, Forza, or on the day of? On the day of. Okay. So I, I would imagine Halo and Forza, we already know. Yep. Uh, or at least we can assume for us that they haven't announced it yet, but I assume that that's happening. And then maybe one other one, whether it's Hellblade or something else that they're going to announce. But I feel uh, like that's Gears, just what I imagine. Tactics would day. be like a like a fill in for that. Like it, it's it's Ooh, it's like a launch too. title, but like it's not really like brand new. So you know they're not gonna. I don't think that they're gonna like go totally nuts on day one. But I think you're totally right. Forza and Halo uh, to to get the thing out the door, and then you kind of give them give give fans something that they've seen over on PC. But it's not like didn't take didn't take uh, all the development in the world to get it onto console. Yeah, and then the launch window that you kind of alluded to, I think that's when you're going to probably see like maybe three or four other releases beyond that um, from some of the other Microsoft first party studios. Otherwise, though, the launch lineup I think is going to be pretty strong from just from third parties that I don't think Microsoft needs to put too many games out there. They don't need to throw all all the uh, all their games out right away. I think they can kind of stagger them over the year because that's the one thing that really worked for Nintendo with the Switch is there was a big first party game. It was almost uh, every, every month. single month. Yeah. 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 So I think that I think Microsoft is probably going to go more in that playbook rather than have everything at launch. And I think that's probably the wiser uh, solution because not everyone's going to be able to pick up all the games at mm-hmm. launch. So being able to play them over time, I think is going to help keep people in your ecosystem. And I think that's what they want more than anything. And don't forget Ryan, Halo, Forza, and then of course, Cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> coming game date to game pass. If I, <laughs> if I have anything to do with it, it's all, I mean, we're going to have so much to play on day one. So yeah, don't do too much on day one. That's it. Especially with the release date of that being pretty close to what I assume is the console launch. I'm actually more in your camp now than I was two weeks ago with Cyberpunk on, on Game You think Pass. it's going to do it? You might be on to something. Yes, man, yes. I think people who are listening... The more I think the about it, the more I think you're less crazy. It totally makes All right. sense. All right, next up, Todd Oxtra at Toxtra asks, can we request Xbox use another letter for Lockhart other than S? It sounds too close to X. What would you pick? Honestly, I'm going to go with the E because the Xbox 360E is, of course, everybody's favorite console because everybody in E start with the same letter mm. what do you think sean yeah no you know what i actually thought he was going to go somewhere else with this with the series s which uh is the xbox ss which sort of has some like nazi themes to it and so if it's well, not, just is a boat you're just indicating that it's a boat oh it's an ss it's oh good SS. point the ss xbox oh, i like that yeah. oh okay that's okay that's it's gonna sail away like <laughs> the boats in sea of thieves 
<laughs> Good God. Yeah, okay, that's that's way less um, fascist than I was thinking, so thank you, yes. Uh, but I'm, I'm down with a different letter. But is that confusing to people? Like, do they not, like, we're all kind of expecting it to be the Series S, and we kind of understand what that means with, like, with when we went from ser- uh, the 1S to the X. I don't I don't know, man. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Is it L? Like, does it... Uh, I don't know. Those don't really seem to carry over from Scarlet. To I'm sure it'll X. be fine as long as it's not a Q. That's the main thing. Why? As what's, long as it's not a Q. What's wrong with Q Series Q? I mean, it could stand for Quasar. I mean, I don't know. Sure, it could be a thing. Yeah, or Quartz. I just want to. <laughs> I just want to order my uh, Project Scarlet Edition Series X. That's got to be a thing, and I can't wait to to get just like the Project Scorpio One um, X was a thing. I want that on can my. It be, my can it be X. Durango instead? Can I get a Durango Ooh. Edition? Is that what this one that was called? Why don't? Why do we feel like that one was a different? What was Durango? That's a different console. That's a different console. I'm just throwing it in there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wait a second. Let me sort out my <laughs> my vocabulary here. Okay. What's next? Bring back Project Milo. <laughs> next up, uh, Blaze Knight at Blaze Knight zero nine two three asks, why do so many third party titles skip Xbox's release, especially digital only distribution only land on both Switch and PS4, like Trials of Mana. What can Microsoft do to draw more of these titles into their ecosystem? BlazeNet, I actually think you're starting to see that transition happen. A lot of these, the examples we see of this are just Japanese games. Yeah. And I think Microsoft is just doing a much better job of bringing those games to their platform. Square Enix isn't uniformly bringing everything to Xbox, but we see it with more and more titles. I think they're starting to get more and more on board with that. And I think we're seeing that from a lot of other Japanese titles, like seeing Scarlet Netflixis, for example, or Tales of Arise debut on Xbox conferences i think is a big deal because yeah. ben Namco has always been in bed for sony for years and is now starting to put all their stuff on xbox so i think it's only a matter of time uh that that divide starts to go away and sean how do you feel about this do you feel any differently yeah no i'm with you on on the the, the tides turning on that for sure um here's how uh, the, i think the question was specific, specifically what do they do to to turn that around um sell 100 million consoles that that would be good if they could there's just get too. out of the get out of the gates with their. Um, here's another wild prediction for me. Uh, you can buy a Series X for zero dollars. I think that they're going to have a lot of different like purchase options coming into next gen for people if they want to just like buy a console like they always have. Uh, they can do that. Uh, game Pass is changing the game. Like I think they uh, they're doing all the right things, and it's to the point where it's like if this doesn't work, like just I don't even know what else they could possibly do. Like this is they're they're throwing all the things they possibly can in next gen. So I, I do anticipate that to be a thing that we see less and less. For sure. Next up from discord, we got Mr. Glorious one asking Jason Trier infamously tweeted that games are too long. To what extent do you guys agree with this statement? Personally, I think this all depends on how much of that time is spent. And if you feel it was worthwhile, a worthwhile investment for that time, you hit the nail on the head, Mr. Glorious one. That's kind of how I feel about it. Where honestly, as long as I feel I get, my my money's worth out of it, whether the game is two hours long or a hundred hours long, I'm totally fine with. It. I don't really feel like a game can be too long, but I do think a game can be stretched out. Again, the the example I always give for this is Alien Isolation, which is ten hours longer than it should have been. It should have just been a ten hour game because horror games really, when they go over a certain time period, become naturally less scary because you kind of discover all the loopholes around how to get around the big bad let's say in, in the horror horror experience. Right. So it becomes less scary over time. Um, but for the most part, I don't ever feel like, for example, Xenoblade Chronicles going outside Xbox, that's a hundred hour game. But if I feel like I'm getting 
if I feel like I'm having fun the whole time, then it doesn't matter to me that it's a hundred hours or it doesn't, I, I don't feel like it should have been shorter. Um, but I mean, I'm also the type of person that has a lot of free time, but Sean, since you have a lot less free time than me, what do you think about this? Well, I think it's a, it's a simple tweet that I think people kind of just maybe took out. Of, I don't know that necessarily they took it out of context, but I think people are just kind of fed up with Jason Schreier, to be honest, because um, Sean Layden, uh, who used to run uh, PlayStation Land over there, said something similar. And I thought that his take on it was a little like better fleshed out in terms of like what is the ROI and return on investment for like a hundred million or two hundred million dollar uh, development on a game and how long um, the game should be for that development cycle and what people expect out of a sixty dollar game. I I think what Jason is trying to get at is like, can we just sort of like reestablish some some expectations on what we expect out of our or what we want out of our out of our video games? I think generally though, like for me, like I don't finish too many games and I do get a lot of satisfaction out of finishing games. But I don't know that I would necessarily go go so far as to say like shorten all games so i think i'm i'm in the camp with you guys as well that it it really just depends i think pacing is something that i would like to see really refined over the next generation um i also think that accessibility options are helping people kind of play in the way that they want to and there's there's certain things that like are allowing people who otherwise wouldn't be able to play a game in terms of like uh physical disabilities and things like that but there's also you know like um i think tomb raider did an excellent job was it just, um, I think it was just Shadow of the Tomb Raider that did this, where did, yeah. where you could have like the different difficulties, right? So there's different sort of dimensions of accessibility that are happening that I would like to see that actually be part of the conversation rather than just like a blanket statement like video games are too long, which obviously he's saying tongue in cheek. And I totally get that. But like I said, I think people are just kind of like, you kind of, Jason Schreier, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Sean, we got to go. But before we go, Sean plugs. Uh, you can find me sitting out front of a McDonald's because I forgot to get my wife a Diet Coke. Uh, otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Capri. Very nice. Very nice. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Turford. That's T-U-R-F-O-R-D because everybody always asks. You also find us on Twitter at the Xbox Drive. So for Sean Capri, I'm Ryan Turford. This has been episode 147 of the Xbox Drive. And we out. Bye. Cyberpunk's coming. Nate, Nate, come on. Bye.